You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 100 of Metrics and Chill. It's a great milestone for us. We're super excited about it. And to celebrate bringing in episode 100, we have an amazing guest for you today. In this episode, I got to chat with Amanda Natividad, VP of Marketing at Spark Toro, to learn how she worked to improve their free to paid conversion rate. So in this episode, you'll learn how she improved Spark Toro's onboarding workflow, created a behavior-based email sequence, how SparkToro sets goals and measures output, and a ton more. I know you're going to love it. Hope you enjoy the episode. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the show for a second time now. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Um, so can you, for people who don't know, um, can you give like the 30-second kind of pitch of like what SparkToro is? Yeah, so SparkToro is an audience research tool that helps you find your audience's sources of influence. So the websites they frequent, social accounts they follow, podcasts they listen to, and YouTube channels they subscribe to. And I, I found uh, your interview on Marketer Hire where they had you like do your, like enter your own uh, Twitter profile on SparkToro. Oh, yeah. And it showed like, hey, this is where like your audience might hang out and, and things like that. So that's pretty cool. So people can go yeah. test this out, right? You offer, you offer a free trial. Companies can go test this out to get started. Yeah, we actually have a free plan where you get five free searches per month and you get a sampling among the various results. So definitely try it. Um, I think it works best if you're trying it on yourself. It works best if you have some kind of um, some kind of social following already. Or you could try it on your company's handle. Or you could try it like on, um, well, this works better for B2B, but if you search based on job title, like how people okay. are likely to self-identify. So if you're a marketer who markets to other marketers, then maybe you could run searches for people who use the words in their bio, marketing director or VP of marketing and things like that. Okay, awesome. Um, so you mentioned uh, there's a few key metrics you all look at. Uh, like I, I want to start here at a high level because speaking of the, the free plan that you offer, we're going to be talking about uh, the free to paid conversion rate primarily. But you said you also look at churn, uh, you know, general conversion rates and MRR. But uh, you don't you, you said you don't set goals around these things. I'm curious why it is like obviously you guys try and move the needle on these metrics. But why is it that you don't? Uh, set goals for them? Well, I think it's, I guess I'd say we have some general sense of annual goals. Like, you know, by the end of the year, we want to get to X amount of money or X amount of growth. But the sort of month to month of it, there's, I feel like there's too much, there's too much variability, like in the economy or just the industry at large that we don't have control over. So I feel like it's less helpful to worry about the well, why is why did we reach you know why did it take us longer to reach 30 percent of our goal by you know week two of the month or things like that that are just sort of nitty-gritty math that we don't have a ton of control over so that and also just um we don't do any sort of paid marketing like all of the marketing that we do is um you know i would call it modern content marketing because as opposed to classic content marketing, because we don't we don't execute on our blog with respect to a traditional keyword research strategy. Like we write on our blog based on the topics or things that we find interesting or important. So there's that. So sort of more modern content marketing. We also do um, a lot of events. So like speaking at conferences, uh, mostly virtually, 
And then lovely opportunities like this one, like speaking on podcasts and hopefully, you know, sharing our insights and getting to plug Sparktoro a little bit, little bit more. Um, and so, uh, so where was I getting with this? I was getting at because there isn't like a paid influx or like a, an ongoing paid, you know, not funnel, but we'll just call it funnel. Um, some of what we depend on are things like good opportunities, right? I mean, for instance, like if if part of our strategy is speaking at uh, highly attended conferences, um, we can't guarantee that we're going to secure those spots like once a week, right? <laughs> like sometimes there's a bit of a conference season where in a given month we might have, Rand and I might speak at like two or three super high impact events. And then the following month, not so much, right? So that's part of it. Um, and I think like in general, we try to focus on the things that, you know, that we can control, right? And then we try to focus on the metrics that we can better understand, right? Um, I don't know. That's kind of a rambly answer, but. <laughs> no, that's, it's helpful. So would that be like the things you control? Would that be like output goals? Like we're going to try and get booked on this many podcasts or we're going to try and attend this many conferences or going to write this many pieces of content on the blog or something like that? Yeah, output like that and output like, product launches, like when we Im Im improve certain features or certain parts of our product, like that's the thing we have, you know, some control over and then marketing for those products. So those are the things that we look at. Like we basically look at how can we just, how can we continue to iterate in the product and make it better and make it a better experience for people so, so that they don't churn. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, how do you think about moving the needle on these things then? So like obviously setting more of these output based goals, um, do you just kind of approach like, do you sort of list out different growth experiments or like things? So like when you look at this, I guess, um, high level number, like you look at like a revenue yeah. number you're hoping to hit in the year, do you kind of reverse engineer and just say, okay, we're going to test X amount of output across X amount of channels? Or how do you think, how do you kind of reverse engineer and think about hitting that number and testing those channels. Yeah, so it's it's some combination of re reverse engineering the results we want and then prioritizing based on what we think is going to be most impactful or starting with the intersection of most impactful and least effort, right? Like if there are the low-hanging fruit opportunities that can have a huge impact, then yeah, we'll start there um, and then going from there. So for instance, like last, was it, yeah, it was last year, um, last year, we, well, over the past couple years, we've worked with a company called Forget the Funnel. So they are a, you know, consultancy slash educational platform for other marketers or consultants who are learning to do uh, product-led and customer-led growth, usually for B2B SaaS. So we work, we work closely with Gia and Claire and some other consultants. And so last year, you know, in working together, we realized that we had um, we had a big opportunity in looking to increase our free to pay conversion and then looking to improve our overall onboarding. And onboarding was really important, especially and this was something we already knew was important. Right. This is like kind of a good indicator of sometimes as a marketer. There are things that you kind of just know, right? And you, you kind of just know them based on experience in the field, um, knowing a little bit more about your industry and those kinds of things. So we kind of, we are, where, we, where we knew that onboarding was important was, you know, one, we are in the industry of, um, of audience research, right? Where this is still, I still, you know, I still think this is a pretty early 
industry in that if you're to do some keyword research on audience research right now, you would see there there isn't a ton of searches on it, right? right. So it's still pretty early. And I, and I think a lot of it is we focus on solving problems that, or our product solves problems that not every marketer articulates in the same way. So earlier I said sources of influence. Like I don't think many marketers are Googling what is my audience's sources of influence or how to right. find sources of influence. Like I don't think people are searching for that yet, even if they are wondering about it, right? Like right. I think it's just not a common search term yet. So um, so what I'm getting at is uh, we're still in an industry that's pretty early. And so onboarding is especially important because it's like if we're in this industry that isn't being highly searched for, then we really need to make sure that we nail the onboarding experience. And I'm not saying that it's perfect or that the work is done or that there's, there are no more improvements to make, but that was a really uh, important opportunity for us that we tackled first. And so uh, the two things we did there were, one, we focused on improving the onboarding tour. Like when you join SparkToro and like start going through it, uh, we previously had like, like a 15 step tour, it was quite long. And the completion rate was pretty high. Like, I think it was over 10%. Um, but here's a problem. Like, that's I think that's I think in I think in B2B SaaS that's pretty high. But we don't actually know that they're consuming the content, right? right. They can just be hitting next, next, next until exactly. And then, right. So like we don't actually know. So like, so we. So in this sense, we sort of ignored the completion rate. Like like yeah, we like see I know off the top of my head, but. It was also immediately like, well, clearly something's not working. If people are still having all these questions or like we have the churn issue, like something needs to be fixed. So we uh, we worked with a consultant, uh, Ramley John, who now works at AppQs. Uh, Ramley helped us improve that onboarding sequence. So a lot of what we did was we, we ended up reducing it from 15 to I think eight steps in the tour. Okay. Um, we included a... We, we had Rand redo the video, like the welcome video, which I think I think we challenged him to like get it as close to one minute as possible. <laughs> what, um, how long was it before? Like like very long? I, th I think there was something that was, I think it was a different video that like linked to something that was like more than five minutes. Okay. Um, and we just felt like, I'll say we, like Rambly and I were like, it needs to be super, super short. Like someone can just like immediately get it. So we challenged right. Rand on that. I think it's, I think it might be closer to two minutes, but, um, but he does talk pretty quickly. He goes through it quickly. Um, and then we simplified a lot of the language. Like, I think we, we just made it like more concise and more active, right? Active voice, like simpler, shorter sentences, that kind of thing. And then there were a couple of steps from my, from what I recall in the old onboarding sequence that um, we sort of combined two steps into one module, which we felt like was confusing. Like, and by confusing, I mean, we were introducing like two SparkToro features in one flow right, where yeah. we, th we, we were like, I think we're losing people here. Like, I think it was our lists feature because in SparkToro, you know, you get this data, right, on like, all the websites or the top 100 websites that your audience frequents, you can put that into a list. And maybe you use that list, which you export as a CSV for media outreach or like, you know, uh, link outreach, whatever that, whatever it is that you might do with it. So we were seeing on our end that not a lot of people were making lists. And I think in the old tour, we combined the language of like, make a list and do some outreach and something else into one step. 
And so Ramley and I were like, I think this needs to be broken out a little bit more. Like, I think people need to understand what is a list in Sparktoro. So we broke okay. that out separately. And then um, I think the onboarding tour, I think I think it's the completion rate's a little bit higher. It might be closer to 15% now. But we were like, okay, this tour is better. Like, it's easier to understand. It's quicker to get through. Um, it gets it gets people to accomplish one successful search, like so that they can hopefully get to that aha moment. Um, the other thing we did was we improved the or we created a a behavior based email onboarding sequence. So I can get into that. I can pause here too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have so many questions. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we can go back and address questions. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, cool. Yeah, so I'm gonna write down behavior based. Uh, you said email sequence. Mm-hmm. Email. Okay, I'm taking notes here. Um, furiously, I can't. I don't write fast enough. Um, so that all makes a lot of sense. Uh, I guess the one question was like, this was still kind of like you as a marketer. This was like a gut play for you. Like mm-hmm. you felt like okay the previous step was 15 the previous onboarding sequence was 15 steps and we kind of like at one stage introduction to features were maybe combined the video was a bit long which like i would think just intuitively like okay if that's too much for people to watch they'll just plan on doing it later and then maybe not circle back to it and so in looking to fix this the overall thing was like let's simplify it make it more uh clear concise effective but um, and so you still measured um, completion rate at the end. You did see it go up a little bit, but there, but still, like there was no, you know, quantitative. Like we now are measuring like how long they're lingering on each step versus the other. You just kind of felt like you came away from that process feeling like this is just a we we almost cut the thing in half, um, and we made it clear and we feel good about that. Like there was no like yeah. quantitative thing that you uh, were depending on there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you nailed it. I think that that was basically it, and that that kind of speaks to the qualitative stuff as a marketer. Where like sometimes you know, like I know that this thing is objectively better than it was before. Like, there, like we don't need to, you know, beat the dead horse with figuring out like all the tiny metrics here because there's also other stuff to do, like that behavior-based email sequence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where yeah. we felt like that was also. Like, yeah, we felt the tour was important for sure. That was why we redid it. But we also felt like um, the email sequence would probably be more important because that's the thing that kind of drips out over the course of a couple of weeks that hits people's inboxes directly that they can theoretically consume on their own time, you know, like when they're when they're ready to look at SparkToro. Where, whereas the, the tour, for instance, like, I mean – for the tour, there are going to be some people who always skip it, no matter what. Personally, I am one of those people. Like, <laughs> I am one of those Same. users that's like, how do you do this? Oh, skip, 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 skip. And I immediately, I'm like, why did I skip the tour? But that's because I feel like a lot of tours are not that good. Like, whenever I'm trying to figure out a new SaaS tool, it's like, start the tour. Here's a button. Press it. And you're like, ah. yeah. No, I know where the button is. Like, or it's like, click on menu. And it's like this huge thing at the top right corner of the screen where it always is. And you're like, that's where the menu always is. Or that's where the dashboard always is. Why would it be different here? Show me how to do a thing. So then you end up skipping right. it. <laughs> um, okay. So before, so one of the questions before we get to the behavior-based email sequence, mm-hmm. 
what when you worked with forget it was, so working with forget the funnel was how you kind of honed in on this opportunity um was this was this among like other things you were working on at the time or was it like hey we benchmarked kind of our other performance and that was kind of on par like our churns on par this is on par that's like our, our website conversion rates on par but this is an area that maybe we're a little bit lower like like what made this um, such a priority to invest in versus like, you know, I know SaaS companies focus on like everything from homepage conversion rate to like churn rate to like, there's, I mean, all these things you are all looking at. What was it that sort of like highlighted it as a need here? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like this is one of those things that we just sort of knew, like we need to focus on retention. Like we are getting people coming in through the door and we need to make sure that they stay here. So it was sort of like plugging in the holes of the overall user experience. Um, and I think, you know, the, a big reason too, though, is I think we as a, as a small company have this sort of strange, unfair advantage of having built-in audiences with mostly Rand and a little bit of myself, right? Like we're, you know, like we, we had the great fortune of launching our product to tens of thousands of people um yeah tens of thousands of people on an email list so well yeah homepage conversion is important or like getting new people like that's important too um it wasn't as much uh, of a concern like it was more of okay we do have a lot of, like enough people who are trying out the tool who are like stumbling upon our website or because they followed Rand's career, they wanted to learn what SparkToro does. So now what we really need to do is deliver on a better product experience. So I guess I would say like, this is a little bit of the intuitive marketing thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. Um, Cause like you said, it, it makes sense. Like it's, it's gonna help reduce the churn rate, but it's gonna also drive revenue. Like your, mm -hmm. you know, your main overall goal by taking people from free trial to paid if they can get more value out of it and everything like that. So yeah. Oh, and I guess I would also add, like, you know, as again, like as a not very normal startup, we we raised, you know, one round of angel funding. Don't have any plans to raise more. And well, absolutely, you know, we are focused on getting more users and like growing the company and making more money and all that good stuff it wasn't we we haven't dealt with the typical like hyper growth blitz scale at all costs kind of issue right it isn't like we need to increase users like 20 percent quarter over quarter like forever you know it's more of like hey we can focus on creating a really healthy business like healthy for us as employees and then healthy for our customers really focusing on delivering great value and then as a result, hopefully, you know, retaining customers and growing more customers over time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Um, all right. So the first thing you did was improve the onboarding sequence. Second thing, the, the behavior-based email sequence, what were you doing? What were you doing before? And what's the difference between like, a, like, I guess for me who maybe isn't, uh, I'm not as experienced with it. Like yeah. what's the difference between like a normal, I join a product and I get a bunch of emails that like welcome me versus like this, or what were you doing before this email flow that you updated? Great question. Um, so before, I think we just had maybe like one or two welcome emails. It might have even just been one. And it was like, and they're quite long, but they're they're very thoughtful emails. But I think the first one, I think for until maybe last winter, 
like very until very recently rand actually sent it himself like manually he would like oh wow he would like reach out to the customer and then like yeah he'd work off a similar template but he would like do it personally so there was like one welcome email that was like that had like a couple of suggestions for types of SparkToro searches to run and then from there there was um a you know reminder that someone's credit card was going to get charged again for the monthly subscription and i think that was it like i don't i don't think there was that much and then occasional product emails like which are like i don't know a few per quarter if that maybe less for like um, new features and stuff yeah yeah so that kind of okay. doesn't count right that's not part of a welcome sequence right. i think that was all we did and so we obviously knew there was a big opportunity to make that better or to make it exist so what we wanted to do was because SparkToro's tools, like the tool that we offer has a lot of different use cases. There isn't really one, there can't be really one onboarding sequence to be like, here's how you use it, the end, right? Like we had a lot of different types of customers with a lot of different types of needs. And so we tried to address all of those use cases um, based on the behaviors they were or were not taking in the SparkToro app. Um, Got it, okay. So I might, so I guess what I'll say is there probably does need to be a version three that is even an even more personalized version of these behavior-based emails. Because something, something that we've been wanting to do is, well, when you as a user sign up for SparkToro, there's a very brief like firmographic survey where it's like, um, like what best describes your job just to basically get at are you and are you working for an agency or consultancy are you working in-house an, as an in-house marketer or something else right so we have we do collect that data from our users um and it would be good to have a, a, a new like a version three of this behavior-based onboarding sequence that addresses the needs of an agency versus an in-house marketer versus like a founder like a solopreneur basically um so yeah Okay. So basically like this, this sequence is dependent on, are they using like different, um, is it like if they use this feature, they get put into this sequence, but if they use this feature, they get put into this one or like, how did, how did you kind of construct this flow? And, um, specifically like with the end in mind of like going, driving them from free plan to paid plan conversion, were you trying to like what was kind of the intention with the flow in the emails? Like, are you guiding them to tr test out more things or get more benefit out of it quicker? Like what was the kind of like mindset there as you, as you approach creating the flow? Yeah. So definitely helping people get to value realization as quickly as possible and to get them into like repeat value realizations or getting them into that habit of like, here's why you need to keep using SparkToro. Like here are more things you can do. Here's what else you need. The stuff like that. And, um, I think you had asked if it was if we would put people into kind of different um, funnels or so to speak based yeah. on the actions they were taking. Yeah. So I will say um, people can use or marketers can use a tool like user list to build out these emails. Uh, we happen to build this all in house ourselves. I'll say we. It wasn't really we. It was our <laughs> co-founder and CTO, Casey Henry, who built this out, like using a lot of logic and like writing out all the flows. So okay. I can say that. Um, we basically have like, I'll say it's like, yeah, it's kind of like five different, um, flows. So like, for instance, somebody who signs up, 
somebody who signs up for a free Sparktoro account, right? That's the first action someone can take, sign up for an account. The second action that ideally they would take is to run a search, right? But we already have the, the behaviors kicking in here where somebody can sign up for an account, but not search for anything. Maybe they sign up and they go, oh, I'll just do this later. Or people will sign up and also search. And I don't know the breakdown off the top of my head of like how many people are not searching, but it's, but it's quite high. There are a lot of people who will like sign up for an account and they're like, cool, I'm done. I'm going to do this later. <laughs> right. Like I'm it in, happens. I'll come back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. So like based on those behaviors or non-behaviors, then we'll have like, okay, they, if they do sign up for, if they, if they do sign up and do a search, then they get like a, you know, a welcome from Rand that, um, what is it? Yeah, it's like it's like whatever special welcome. That's like thanks for doing your first search. Here are some other searches, and then the other email that's like noticed you haven't run a search. Here are some ones that you can try, like based on some of these different needs that you might have. Okay, so cool. And in version three of this sequence, it would be cool. This would be a good opportunity, right? To be like, I wouldn't say this exactly, but to basically say in some way. Like, hey, since you work for an agency, you're probably thinking about how you can pitch clients. Well, here's how you can use SparkToro to improve your client pitches. Um, that would probably be very useful to an agency person, obviously not to an in-house marketer, but right. that could be the v, the version three. Um, and so, yeah. Is it like, um, SparkToro, like, do you have enough... I don't know, like the exact right way to word this, but like enough limited ICPs, like you're like, yeah, these are the five audience subsets that we have that you could get that specific for all of them. Or do you feel like, does it more fall into like agencies use you and then like B2B and B2C uses you? Like, would you break it kind of that way? I think so. Yeah. I mean, like most of our customers are agencies or consultants. So yeah, they, they do make up more of our customers, but we do have like, we do have, um, a good amount of like in-house B2B and B2C marketers. I do think though that the in-house marketers are probably more in that bucket of like, oh, I only need I only need to use SparkToro for like this one project or like this other project. And they end up using us a couple times per year. Um, obviously our hope is that people use our tool more often, but I mean, that, that's a very logical way to use SparkToro to be like, cool, we're doing this like new podcast we're, do, we're trying to in, pitch our internal employees to join to join these podcasts. Like, let's do a bunch of searches, get a podcast outreach list going, and then we'll cancel our subscription and then come back to it later. Like, that's a very normal use case for us. Yeah, yeah, no, makes no sense. Um, so the, the were these the only two steps that you took to, like, move the needle? Like, I mean, I guess in a big way, like maybe there were other little things, but overall, was these are the two big plays to try and improve uh the free plan to paid conversion rate yeah i would i would say so i mean like i, I was also going to call out and we could talk about this I, could, I was also going to call out our office hours sessions um but the office hours sessions where it's like an outlier is it's not it's not only for customers like it's for anybody who wants to join our hope is that if you are a customer of SparkToro, that you get more value out of SparkToro because you'll come to office hours and you'll be like, right. oh my gosh, this is what I should be using. Like, this is what, this is what I should be doing with SparkToro. So um, that's kind of like the third layer. And that is also a little bit more qualitative in that um, we're not actively measuring success of, of office hours 
with regards to customer engagement because like that's a lot of attribution and like uh weird metrics to try to put together that's that's like that's really really hard and that is also like I don't know that this is a great use of time beyond just being like well we should do these things to help our customers we should create interesting content we should try to help people like you know, even if even if we were to find that the data shows that it's not making a huge impact on, on our customers, we wouldn't then go back and go, oh, office hours is a waste of time because it's not right. Like we, you know, sometimes we get um, up to 1300 registrants. We get like pretty consistently a thousand people signing up and either joining live um, or like actually watching it later on, like. We so like we know that we know that people are watching it and attending it. So that that in of itself makes it worth it. Yeah, those are incredible numbers to me. Like I would think any product that can get a thousand people to consume, like you know, to, to be able to uh, watch this content and submit. Are they able to like submit questions to you and stuff? Like yeah. while, while you're on the chat. Okay, cool. Yeah. So like we have it. We we use Crowdcast for it, which is like. Uh, you know, uh, your, your your standard kind of webinar platform, but there's a live chat so people can people can drop their questions in there, um, reactions, notes, that kind of thing. And then we also have a separate Q and A function where people can put in their questions and, and users can upvote each other's questions. So that's kind of how we prioritize. But we do get like we do get solid attend we do, we get solid live attendance, and then we probably get like at least six questions in the Q and A each time. Oh, wow. If not more. So, so all this, I mean, yeah, like to your point, all this is probably, there's probably a few things like you're probably learning your customers really well, like mm-hmm. in real time and their needs. Are you promoting this from within the product or from the emails or both? Or how are you, how are you inviting actual customers to be using this? Yeah. So it, this, uh, so the, sp- the office hours, like general invitation, uh, it, it is included in the onboarding sequence. So okay. It's included a couple of times, like it's included like framed as, hey, if you still need help and like, you know, don't know how to use Sparktoro, like join our next office hours, like ch- go to this page, check out the next one and sign up. Um, or there's like, okay, great. Like you're using Sparktoro, like you can still learn more and join our office hours. Um, so it comes in through there. We also promote it in our twice monthly audience research newsletter. Okay. And then, um, and then anybody who's opted in to receive our events emails, they get like one or two notifications about office hours before we go out the gate with it. And then we promote it on social media as well. That's awesome. Um, and so what has the cumulative sort of effect been? Like I, you indicated, I think, uh, am I getting this right? Did you, you were able to effectively double the free plan or the free to convert uh, to paid conversion percentage through these changes? Yeah, through through the um, through the revised onboarding tour and the behavior based email onboarding sequence, um, yeah, we were able to about double our free to paid conversion. Okay, wow, that's incredible. That's like all without any uh, any new pipeline, any like new channels or anything like that. It feels like a strong foundational play that then like it feels like it would be one of those things that's a bit harder like the bigger you get and the more users that you scale so like working on it up front just ensures that you're like not having i don't know if like leaky bucket is the word but like that the more efforts you spend on paid or anything eventually to drive more users and get them in is having the best effect right and i think you know this is a good example of 
you know, focusing on delivering the value, um, making things easier, reducing reducing bad friction, right? Like there's arguably there's friction of our little firmographic survey as people create an account, but it's like two questions, right? But quote unquote friction, but reducing the bad friction, the things that make people not understand the product or not understand how to do something like reducing that creating a better experience and then having the north star metric of let's increase free to paid conversions um without getting too bogged down in the the details of like well how much time are people spending on step three of the tour now versus before like oh it's it's an extra eight seconds like maybe this is bad like like no like you don't know that right like you you like we can look at those things like I can ask Casey, like, how much time is each person spending on each module? And he could look it up for me, but he would also ask, well, why do you need to know that? Like, what is that going to tell you? Right. Well, how, well, how will that help you make a decision, right? But, like, there is a little bit of, like, you need to kind of understand how to create a great experience and then sort of trust your, that you can do it <laughs> and then give yourself a little bit of time, uh, yourself or your customers more time, like a month or however long it needs to be where you get enough critical mass or enough people going through these steps where you get a meaningful data set to understand like, look, we did double free to paid conversion. We did it. <laughs> what was the time frame you like measure that on? Like how, how many months uh, or weeks or whatever was it end to end? That's a good question. Um, Let's see. It was about uh, four to six months, maybe. Okay. Yeah. We'll say four months, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So fairly quick. I mean, yeah. that's a fairly quick turnaround time. And that's like from beginning to work on these two things to like measuring it at the end. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm curious, is there any, any, um, any like obstacles that you hit going through the process that, or any advice you'd give to people that are trying to do the same? So if someone's like, working on a SaaS product and wants to work on moving the needle on this metric in particular, is there anything you would, that you've learned through the process that you'd give as like general advice? I know some things are unique to SparkToro and the product and all of that, but anything that you've learned that you would share as like general advice for someone looking to move the needle on uh, free to paid conversion? Um, I feel like, so there are two answers to give here. I feel like the correct answer is talk to your customers, have your customers test it out. Like if you are, if you feel friendly with a particular customer, have them go through it, get their feedback. I don't disagree with that, but I feel like that's the obvious answer and I think it's great and I think it's fantastic and I support that. So, but I want to give a different answer, <laughs> which is talk to other B2B marketers that you know and trust. Like connect I feel like it's really really important if you can find like one or two friends in the B2B SaaS space or basically somebody who works in a similar space as you who might have more experience in something um to just be able to have that safe space with a friend where you can say like can you just look at this marketing messaging I put together like is this stupid like what do you as a marketer think about this like is there something I'm missing because I think of course, it's important to talk to your customers and get their feedback. Of course, I'm not going to disagree with that. But I think it's also really helpful to talk to the other marketers in your field who have a lot to say, who have maybe a lot more experience in testing something as specific as 
an onboarding tour, like somebody who's done it 10 times before. Like, why mm. would you not tap into their intel, right? And then hopefully, you know, you can return the favor. So that's the advice I would give. And I think part of the reason I say that, sorry, part no, of the reason I say that is I think sometimes with customers, um, a an issue that you can run into is sometimes a customer might want to please you you know they might they might because yeah. because people are people are nice people are awesome and like they want to be helpful so a customer might think that they will be more helpful if they tell you like everything that's great right where you're like nobody i need to know what the friction is and then they might not be able to articulate where they're getting caught on something they might just be like i don't know like I don't know about this, but I'm sure other people love it. Like you might not, depending on the relationship you have or the way you're able to kind of manage that conversation, you might run into an issue of somebody um, being too nice to you, right? I think if you, but I think if you can find another peer marketer who's who's willing and able to be a little bit harsher with you, lovingly, you know, harsh, <laughs> then that could be really helpful for you and your work. Yeah, no, I, that's amazing insight. I think, um, it's sort of like, you know, what people say about like when you are trying to get early feedback for a startup, if you go to friends and family, they're all gonna be like, this is great. This is a great idea. But then it's like, well, will you pay for it? Will you like, you know, actually like, oh, like all of a sudden it becomes like, so yeah, like I can, it, it makes sense. Like if, if, if you're friendly with the customers and they're trying to help you out and be supportive, because otherwise it feels like they're criticizing your work almost where like it might not be reflective to your point of like, if you just put them out there with the product, I can imagine they'd be like, oh, this is too difficult and churn, but like they would never give you that feedback loop. Um, yeah, totally. And I think I mean, if, if you can ask a customer who's churned like for feedback, I think that's that's kind of a holy grail, right? Like talking to a customer who doesn't want to be a customer, but it's tricky because, and, and I've asked, like I've reached out to customers who were like, who canceled? And I've been like, hey, would you, like, I understand that you canceled, absolutely no pressure but i'm trying to make the product better like by any chance are you willing to hop on a quick call to explain your pain points and most of the time i mean it doesn't scare me off from asking but most of the time they say no i don't want to talk to you that's why i cancel leave me alone please never email me again and so i do try to be respectful of that and i will say like that that's a pretty common response of people to say like please yeah. like delete my email forever. Like, don't, do not, do not ever talk to me again. Hey, it's fair, right? <laughs> like yeah. if you cancel a product and the marketer reaches out to you, I don't blame them, but it's hard to get. It's, it's hard to get like, I'm not going to follow up and say, no, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, I'm just going to delete my email too and be like, Boop, I'm just going to leave this alone. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you do any, uh, like, um, like why they left surveying when they leave the product or is it just like they can cancel an account and you kind of don't have a reason? Uh, they, they, yeah, we, we do have a little um, like outbound survey to get a sense of why they canceled. Okay. Um, and then in our, in our partnership with, with the forget the funnel team, we have done a sort of more robust annual survey to our, to our customers or to our database on um, people. We are allowed to email. <laughs> um, <laughs> Asking them like their, about their pain points, what they find, uh, what they find valuable about Sparktoro, what they find confusing, um, and all that good stuff. And that that has really helped. That's really helped us to improve certain messaging or address certain use cases. Okay. 
Well, Amanda, this has been awesome. I feel like I could nerd out with you about so many other topics uh, running marketing at SparkToro, but thank you for being so generous with your insights and for sharing everything you did. Um, and maybe we can have you back someday in the near future. Yeah, I would love that. Or you could ask Rand next time. That'd be fun. There we go. Yeah, we'll get, yeah. We'll get Rand on. Thanks again. Thanks, Jeremiah. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.